Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. I am so excited about this series that we're in, probably because it's my favorite book of the Bible. We're looking at the book of Philippians. We're trying to figure out what does Paul have to say to the church of Philippi. In fact, we've titled this series, No Matter What. Look at your neighbor and say, no matter what. No matter what. So Paul is looking at the church of Philippi, and he's saying, no matter what, I challenge you to choose joy in Christ. Now look at that. That's a choice. It's a choice because it's real easy to choose disgruntle. It's real easy to choose griping. It's real easy to choose doubt. It's real easy to choose fear. There's so many other things we could place in there, right? But Paul says, I challenge you, no matter what, choose joy. Why? Because in this season for us of uncertainty and fear and struggle and disunity and strife, God has a better way. I really thought more of you would get excited. This, this group right here, you understand that. Because you responded. Everyone else just looked at me like I had five heads. Let me say this again. In this season, in this time of uncertainty and fear and struggle and disunity and strife, God has a better way. Amen. Amen. Now, we kicked off this series looking at the prayer that Paul prayed over the church of Philippi. And then last week, we covered the fact that if we allow him to do so, God will take the unusual tools that we have in our tool bag, and he'll use them for his ministry. In fact, Paul goes as far as to say this, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. No matter what Paul faced, For him to live was Christ, but separation from this body simply meant a a greater gain, an eternity in heaven with Jesus. What about you in your life? You see, until we come to the place of truly discovering to live as Christ, then all our life is, is a continual roller coaster of up and down, and up, and down. Amen? So I challenge you, if you have missed either of the last two weeks, go back and and view those services. Listen to that message, not because I preached it, but because it's the Word of God. And, And this is what's going to take that roller coaster of your life and give some consistency. This is what's going to give some balance to your life. This is what's going to help you to choose joy in times of strife to choose hope in times of doubts. But today I want to move forward, still in chapter 1, but I want to look at verse 27. Look what Paul has to say in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. He says, but whatever happens, in other words, no matter what, whatever happens, make sure that your everyday life is worthy of the gospel of Christ. No matter what happens, no matter what you experience, no matter what you come in contact with, no matter what somebody says, no matter what somebody does, 
Make sure, in other words, do whatever it takes. Go the full extent to make sure that your life, your everyday life, now listen carefully, he doesn't say your Sunday morning life. Right? He doesn't say your Wednesday night from 7 to 8 worship and prayer service life. But he says your Monday morning life. No matter what, I don't know about you, but there's some Monday mornings when that alarm clock goes off, and I'm like, even so, Lord, come quickly. <laughs> but Paul says, no matter what, take your everyday life, your Monday life, your Tuesday life, your Friday life, your Thursday life, your Saturday life, your Wednesday life, everyday life, and make sure that you live that life in a way that's worthy of the gospel. This life that we live, whether you realize it or not, is lived on a battleground every day. My, my daughter had looked at Angie and I the other day, and she said, what was the, your favorite season of life? It was an easy answer for me. I said the 90s. I mean, everything happened in the 90s. I graduated high school. I graduated college. I got my first real job. I met my future wife. I married her. We became pregnant and had our first child. In that time frame, we actually bought a house. So many things happened in the 90s. She said, were the 90s better than today? I said, oh, you better believe the 90s were better than today. Right? We live this life on a battleground every day. You are going to be, if you haven't already, you are going to be faced with opposition in some form or another somebody's not going to be pleased with the stance that you take. If you believe and you stand solid as a Christian, if you declare, I'm a follower of Christ, guess what? The Bible says, oh, this is going to encourage the socks off of you. The Bible says they will hate you because of Christ. So what does that mean? That means we have to choose. No matter what, to make sure that our everyday life is lived in such a way that brings honor and glory to God and God alone. You are going to face opposition. You are going to have disappointment. You're going to offend somebody. Someone is going to have a problem with you. The list goes on and on. One theologian said it this way, the Christian life is not a playground, it's a battleground. The Christian life is not a playground, it's a battleground. Because of the battle that is raging around us, it's vital that as a Christian, we understand our place. What is our place? What are we to do on this battleground? Well, first off, we are not called 
to sit passively by. Nowhere in the scripture does it say because you are a follower of Jesus Christ that you need to keep your mouth shut, you need to keep your hands underneath you, that you need to sit quiet in the corner and let the world do whatever it wants to do. Yet for some reason, that's what the church has chosen to do. If the Bible says that we are to make an impact, I, I love Paul. There's a time in Paul's life that, that people were making this accusation against him. They said, he is turning our community upside down. When's the last time that someone said, man, Michaela, she's just turning our community upside down. When's the last time someone called your name out? Matthew, you're turning our community upside down. Are we making that sort of impact? See, we've got to know our place, and our place isn't to sit idly by, passively by, cowering down or even walked upon. We are called to be a soldier in the army of God. To no matter what, defend the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here's the part that presents a problem. Until recently, when a battle began, the opposing armies literally lined up opposite one another. They met in the middle, and the battle began. There were clearly defined sides. This was one group. This was a, another group. There was clearly defined. There was no mixing of the two. There were clearly defined areas where the battle was to take place. We would meet in this field, and this is where we would battle. This is the battleground. This is the safe zone, and here's some safe zone, but this is the battleground, a clearly defined area, and thirdly, it was easy to determine who won or who lost. Whoever had the most standing at the end, they were the victors. It was pretty easy to determine this, but is that still the case in battles today? I don't believe so. Is the enemy clearly defined? Not always. See, sometimes we, we blur those edges. We kind of justify this or justify that, and it's not really clear where things stand. It's not really clear what, what team they're on, what side they're for. Is the battleground clearly defined? Not really. It's almost like anything goes. Thirdly, is it obvious who has won or who has lost? No, because you really can't tell who's telling the truth. So what does this have to do with us as a Christian? We have this battleground that we fight on, that we battle on every day. It's where we live. It's where we breathe. It's where we work. It's where we play. But here's the problem. The battleground has changed in the last 30 to 40 years. The devil has changed his tactic because why? He knows that his time is short. Can I just tell you, the return of Jesus Christ is so much closer today than it's ever been before. 
I remember as a kid, man, you heard hellfire and brimstone preaching all the time. You thought that Jesus was going to return the moment service was over. In fact, it might still happen in the midst of the service, and you were ready to go. If mom and dad went out and they left you alone, and they were going to be home at 7 o'clock, and it was 7.02, you were sitting on the couch looking out the window to make sure that the neighbor was still there because you thought maybe the rapture happened and you missed it. Come on, anybody else? I remember many a time looking across the street because if Harold and Jackie were still there, I was all right. You know what I'm saying? But the return of Jesus is so much closer today than it's ever been before. Right and wrong used to be black and white. In other words, we knew exactly what was right and we knew exactly what was wrong. We knew what was good and we knew what was bad. But that's not always so clear today. You see, then sin was sin. It was something that you would avoid at all costs. It was not glorified. It was not pursued. It was run from it was pushed away from yet in today's culture sin has become acceptable and many times even praised have we noticed that we promote the sinful lifestyle and say that if you don't accept that you're just not tolerant you're closed-minded you're you're a bigot you're whatever fill in the blank if you don't accept sin, hmm. we knew what was right, and we knew when it had prevailed. Unfortunately, things aren't so clear today. Lines are being blurred. Lines are being crossed. Sin is being glorified, and living a godly life is being ridiculed. But can I just tell you, it's going to get worse before it gets better. So how do we not only survive in this battleground, but how do we win? After all, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 that because of Jesus Christ, because of the price that he paid on the cross, we are more than conquerors, that victory is ours. So here's what we've got to remember. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says this, we are humans. Look at your neighbor and say you're a human just in case any of you have forgotten. But we don't rage war as humans do. Let me pause on this scripture. Let me go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6 says that our battle, our fight, is not against flesh and blood. My fight is not against somebody outside these walls. My fight is not against you. But we rage war. We battle against the enemy forces. Here we are at 2 Corinthians. We're human. We don't rage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons. Oh, that's so much better than anything that we've got. Not worldly weapons. To knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We need the wisdom. The book of James says if we lack wisdom, I've got good news for you. If we lack wisdom, all we need to do is ask. And God, out of his abundance of wisdom, will pour wisdom upon you. I don't know about you, but I so appreciate that. 
Because there are times that I'm like, ah, I got nothing. Especially in the last six months. Every day is like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know if this is right. I don't know if that is right. You read this report, and this is what you're supposed to do. You read that report, and that's what you're supposed to do. And who knows what you're supposed to do? So we need wisdom. And and yeah, we can gain some knowledge and understanding by communication with one another. The Bible talks about godly wisdom gaining from those around. But ultimately, the wisdom that we need is not something we can get from one another, but the wisdom that we can gain and get from God. We don't rage war with our human efforts and our human weapons, but we use God's mighty army. If we try to battle in our own strength, we will soon be defeated. Yet when we place on the full armor of God, I want to encourage you, go and read Ephesians chapter 6 when you leave this place today. If you will clothe yourselves in the armor of God and the weapons given to you by God, we will, listen carefully, we will have victory. How do I know that? We just talked about it because God promises us because of the price that Jesus Christ paid, we are more than conquerors. In fact, the Bible says the battle's not ours. We're trying to fight something that's not ours to fight. The battle's not ours, my friend. The victory, (laughs) is ours oh now see that should have made you want to slap your mama (laughs) the victory is ours you over the last several weeks some of you have been battling some of you have been having war continuously this and that and everything else around you i want you to know that battle's not yours that relationship battle is not yours that financial battle is not yours that situational battle is not yours that health battle is not yours it's god's we can't do this by ourselves we need him but we also need one another. Pinmark that. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. I want to give you very quickly three essentials for victory in battle. Three things, if you apply them into your life, I believe that you will find yourself in a victorious moment rather than defeat. Are you ready for them today? Now make sure if you haven't gotten the outline, you can grab one on the out, uh, as you leave today or go to the YouVersion app Go to events, and there it is, and you can fill in all your little notes there. Essential number one, consistency. Consistency. Have you ever noticed that inconsistency causes problems? Parenting. Inconsistency causes problems, right? When you're trying to rally a group of people, if you're inconsistent, no one's going to follow you. I mean, inconsistency is just an issue. The same goes for your walk with Christ. The same goes for your relationship with him. If we have inconsistency, we're going to have a difficult time achieving what God wants us to achieve. So consistency is vitally important. Philippians 1:27. But whatever happens, we read it a moment ago, make sure that your life, everyday life, is worthy of the gospel of Christ. In other words, make sure you're consistent. I want you to know something. The greatest weapon that you can use in this spiritual battle that we face every day, it's not a, a stirring message that just 
woo, gets you going. It's not your favorite worship CD or, or station, but it's a consistent life worthy of the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, a little encouragement here. That does not mean that you will have to be perfect. Right? That doesn't mean that you'll have to be perfect because the Bible is clear. There's only one that was ever perfect, and that's Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but the last time I looked, I'm not him. But what do we have to do? Make sure. In other words, make that daily choice. Choose that no matter what, no matter what you come up against, no matter what you face in life, that you are going to choose to live your life, not someone else's life. You're not responsible for them. But to choose to live your life, to make your life, your everyday life, worthy of the good news of Christ. What Paul is trying to get across to the church of Philippi, and really what he's trying to get across to us this morning, is that if we claim, listen carefully to this, if we claim to be a Christian, we must live a life that is consistent with what we claim. I'm just waiting for the response. If we claim to be a Christian, then we must live our life in a consistent manner to that which we claim. In other words, status alone will not cut it. Are you a Christian? Well, I go over there to encounter church. If you're not living a... <laughs> Angie, don't listen. If you're not living a consistent Christian life, don't tell them you go here. Pick any other church and tell them that, but don't tell them here. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to hear about that one after a while. We've got a long drive to Springfield today. Two ways to live consistently. Two ways to live consistently. Number one, live in a manner worthy of the good news. Why did God say live and not act or behave? Why didn't he say, but whatever happens, when Paul is writing this, why didn't he say, whatever happens, make sure that your everyday life, that you act like a Christian. Why didn't he say that you behave like a Christian? Is there a difference between living a Christian life and acting and behaving like one? Absolutely. One is internalized. One is permanent. But one can be swayed so easily. One can change that quick. You see, the consistent Christian life stands for no matter what. The difference is when we live a consistent life in Christ, it becomes who we are and what we do. In other words, whose we are becomes our identity. And it cannot be separated from who we are. Let me say that again. Whose we are becomes 
our identity. It, it flows through the DNA of our life. And it cannot be separated from who we are. There should be no difference between who we are and how we live. They should be one in the same, no matter what. Not perfect, but consistent. Number two, live faithful among unbelievers. Live faithful among unbelievers. Now, our first point was pretty obvious. You live in a way that is consistent with the Christian life or, or uh, consistent with the good news of Christ. But this second one is not really as easy to grab a hold of. How are we going to fulfill the Great Commission if we're not living among the world? Look at that. The second point is live faithful among unbelievers. The Great Commission, do you remember what it is? Do you remember? Go into all the world and make disciples. How are we going to do that if we don't go where they are? It was Jesus that said, just as God sent me into the world, I'm sending you into the world. We have been sent into enemy territory. Now, I'm reminded of a story, a a pastor is approached by a, a congregant in his church. And here's kind of how the conversation went. We have some neighbors who believe a false gospel, pastor. Do you have some literature I can give to them? The pastor quickly went to his Bible. He opened it up to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, and he began to read, You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all, he said. The best literature in the world is no substitute for your own life. Let them see Christ in your behavior. And this will open up opportunities to share Christ's gospel with them. In other words, no matter what, live your daily life. Make sure that it's consistent the gospel of Christ, the greatest weapon that we have against the enemy is a consistent life. Church, no matter what, we must behave what we believe. So on your outline, if you've got one this morning, or maybe just look at the screen here, there's a question. It says, am I living my life in a manner worthy of, of the gospel. That's for you to personally evaluate yourself today. Are you living your life in a manner that's worthy of the gospel? Yes or no? There's not a maybe. There's not a well, sometimes. It's either yes or no. There's no somewhere in between. This is not a, a rate scale one to ten. No, it's yes or no. Which is it going to be? I challenge you today, if it's no, what changes need to take place? Essential number two, cooperation. Cooperation. Two sides of this cooperation. Number one is cooperation with others. Philippians 1.27, the latter portion says, Then, whether I come to see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together. Look at that. That you are standing together together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. 
let me ask a question. How many of you remember the story of the 300 Spartans? Okay, a couple of you do. For those of you that don't remember, let me kind of remind you about them very quickly. The Spartans were a warrior culture where the boys began to train for battle at a very, very young age. The heart of their training centered around teamwork. Fighting as one. Not as individuals, not as one person amongst many, but many together as one. All the Spartan soldiers carried a a large shield that was about three-quarters their size and a large spear. When a threat presented itself, they would all stand shoulder to shoulder, interlocking the shields, forming almost a continuous barrier that allowed them to fend off and even defeat much larger forces who fought, you guessed it, as individuals. Now, Paul understood this concept, and again, he says in Philippians 1.30, he says, we are in this struggle together. Can you read that with me? We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. We all know, as Paul did, that it's much easier to stay motivated on a task when we're standing shoulder to shoulder with like-minded believers, yes? It's much easier to stand for your faith here in this room than it is Monday morning by yourself, yes? We need one another. That's why we challenge you to get plugged in, to be a part of ministries. That's why we gather together to encourage one another on Sunday mornings. That's why we have our worship time on Wednesday nights. We have our life groups that are starting next month, our special interest group, our E1-to-1 mentoring. By the way, if you signed up for that over the next week or so, you're going to be getting an email from Larry Wheatley, but we're looking for opportunities for the true believer, for the Christian, to rally together, to interlock our shields, to be ready to battle in this battleground that we face every day. We must unite together against the enemy. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says it this way, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. That's encouraging, right? But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Cooperation. We need to cooperate with one another. Not a single one of us in the room was designed to be an island. Not a single one of us in the room were designed to battle by ourselves. The second cooperation is cooperation with Christ. Verse 29, Paul says this, For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering with him. Our enemy, our adversary, Satan, wants nothing more than to break our shoulder-to-shoulder formation so that he can cause not only our personal demise, but the demise of all those that are standing Against us, and or sorry, standing with us. 
We need to not only cooperate with one another, but we must learn to rely upon, to depend upon Jesus. He is our strength. He is our joy. He is our hope. He is our security. He's our everything. It all comes from him. We have the privilege today of trusting fully in Christ no matter what. Let's look at our third essential. Do you remember number one, consistency? Number two, cooperation. And number three, something that many Christians, I believe, fail to really implement into their life is confidence. Confidence. Verse 28, Paul says, says this, Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. In other words, grab a hold of the confidence that you have in Jesus Christ. Remember, we've read the end of the book. Any of you like me when you were a kid? Now, those of you that are kids, don't listen to this. This is not the way you do this. But you read the flyleaf or the back of the book. You read the first few pages, and you read the ending, and you knew the gist of the story. Come on, anybody else? You guys are like, I'm not admitting that. Sure you did it. Absolutely you did it. Now they use this thing called Google. We didn't have Google back then. But I want you to know I've read the end of the book. <laughs> we win. We win. Therefore, we can have confidence. We can stand solid on a firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved. You are going to be saved even by God himself. That's good news. We can and we should have all the confidence in the world. We know the end. God wins. Victory is ours. Therefore, we can boldly walk this journey of life. We can boldly move forward declaring the victory, marching the victory lap. How do I know this? 1 John 4, 4. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won the victory. You have already, come on, some of you will get excited one of these days. You have already won the victory over these people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in this world we've already won we just have to accept we just have to allow that knowledge to be transformed into our lives and into confidence i want you to know that fear intimidation anxiety they're paralyzing and they are the exact opposites of the confidence that we have in christ Later in the book of Philippians, Paul says, don't worry about anything. We're going to process through that in a few weeks. 
But suffice it to say, Paul's saying, no matter what, no matter what you come up against, trust God, lean on Him, resist the enemy, walk boldly in His presence. Today I want to challenge you. If you have found yourself failing to walk in confidence, you have found yourself failing to cooperate with God or either other believers, you found yourself failing to be consistent in your walk with God, I want to challenge you today. Begin a new journey. Don't keep doing the same thing. Some of you are wondering, Pastor, I don't know why my life's not working out. I don't know why things aren't working the way they need to work. It's because you keep trying the same thing over and over. That's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and 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 expecting a different result. It's not going to happen. But a change has to take place. I want to challenge you today. Make the change. And watch what God does. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, would you help us? Lord, there's a battle raging out there. And sometimes, Lord, our, our fleshly side, it gets in the way. And we allow fear and anxiety and doubts to paralyze us. But Lord, we need you. We need your touch. We need your strength. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You keep talking about this, this life that he is made for us, this forgiveness that he offers us. I haven't asked him to come in. Today, you want to ask Jesus to forgive you? to be your Lord and Savior. You want to start brand new? If that's you, I want to pray with you today. Would you raise your hand? Would you be honest with yourself? Would you be honest with God? Say, I need to make a change. If you're watching online and that's you, man, message into us. We want to pray with you. The second question is this. You're here today and Say, Pastor, if I was to answer yes and no to all three of those essentials, I'm not sure that I could say yes to all of them. I've fallen short in some areas. And I need God's help. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Yeah, I've got hands going up all over the room. All over the room. Would you stand with me? I want to pray with you today. God, I pray right now for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room right now. Lord, they've raised their hand and they, they've made a, a declaration to say, God, I need a change. I've fallen short in some areas. 
I'm not consistent like I need to be. I'm not cooperative like I need to be. I don't have the confidence that I should have. Lord, they're readily admitting some shortcoming today. But Lord, the good news is, if we'll give it to you, Lord, that you'll make something beautiful. So Lord, right now, I pray that you will speak into every person. Lord, every individual that acknowledged today that they've fallen short. Lord, would you speak into them? Would you create an urgency that they would make every effort that no matter what they face, Lord, they would continue to run to you, continue to turn to you, continue to rely upon you. Lord, touch them right now. We love you, God. We give you praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Come on, give the Lord a praise today. Amen.